Instructional Designers and in Offices Drinking Coffee is brought to you by Domino, makers of Domino One, the cloud-based authoring tool for e-learning. Learn how your team can work together better at domino.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-K-N-O-W.com. Now, here's this week's episode. like summer where I live uh, but you know I know it's fall for everybody else how's everybody it doing is. in the chat looks like we got the weather reports rolling in fast today didn't even mm-hmm. have to ask today Chris this is fantastic it's remarkable how weather brings us together <laughs> it's a common thing in all of our lives um, here, the temperature is a steady 21 degrees Celsius because that's what the thermostat is set to. Um, that's my weather, indoor weather report. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, we're, we're having another fantastic day with another fantastic guest today, Chris. Who's hanging out with us today? Folks, we are very glad to have Tim Slade joining us again. Tim, you've been with us a couple of times. But there yep. are probably folks that, uh, that are joining us today that haven't met you or don't even know who you are. So share your, share your, uh, your background, your bio, whatever you want. Yeah, to so um, I work as a freelance e-learning designer, and I've been doing that for uh, about 15 years now, which is crazy. Uh, and when I'm not helping clients uh, design and develop custom e-learning solutions, I also run the e-learning designers academy, which is an online program community. Uh, to help new e-learning designers learn how to design e-learning. Very, very cool. Um, Very nice. And today we're talking about storyboarding. Before we jump into that, um, Brent did set up a a poll question. So if you've got a heartbeat there, folks, maybe jump in and and toss your thoughts or or make a selection in the poll. Give us some data, gosh darn it. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, I, I mean, Everybody does storyboarding maybe a little bit differently. Everybody comes at it for different purposes. We typically think of it kind of as a as a blueprint, right? Or the thing that's Mm -hmm. going to be created, Um, a way to kind of pin everything down before we actually start uh, spending time on the making, you know, process, etc. Does that jive with how you view a storyboard, Tim? Yeah, you know the. The thing I always tell people is a storyboard, kind of like what you said, is like a blueprint for a house, right? You wouldn't, if you're building a house, uh, you probably wouldn't just go to the Home Depot and grab a bunch of supplies and start building the house. You'd want to know what you're going to build before you build it, right? Uh, Especially if you're building that house for somebody else. You want them to have input on what you're going to build and how it's going to be laid out because... Uh, you know, if you just, you know, (laughs) go straight into the construction process and then the client decides they want to move the kitchen, uh, that might mean rebuilding the house. And so the same applies to e-learning, right? Well, whatever tool you're using, you want to have a common understanding of what you're covering in the course and how it's going to be structured before you build it, right? So it's like a blueprint for a house. 
Yeah. And kind of like a blueprint too, It's it's got to go through some approvals, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, house building, oh gosh, there's uh, permits and things involved and, and sign-offs and engineering structural stuff to make sure that it's all going to be safe. So, you know, not dissimilarly, you know, the, the folks that you're doing something for, whether you're a freelancer, you know, like yourself or working internally with a team, you do need that uh, that sign off and that paperwork aspect of, of things, the approval to say that, yep, this is what we're going to do. Well, yeah, just like a house, right? A house has to be inspected by different folks from the city or it has to be inspected by obviously the a homeowner. And the same thing is true with the e-learning, right? You shouldn't, at least uh, ideally, you shouldn't be designing your e-learning in a vacuum. You have stakeholders who need to review it and subject matter experts who need to review it. Maybe a legal team needs to review mm -hmm. it. And so in addition to just helping you construct to go along with the, the house building analogy, right? To help you construct your e-learning course, Storyboard's also a communication tool, right? It allows you to review it and it gives something that's easily editable by somebody who doesn't have your e-learning authoring tool, a way to review it and edit it and comment on it again before you before you start building the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are some steps, I guess, before storyboarding, obviously. We have to do some, you know, there are other aspects of our instructional design before we can actually get to it. And I, oh, sure. I typically think, you know, depending on how people approach a storyboard, um, sometimes it's, you know, a strongly kind of visual thing, you know, with, you know, layouts and, and, and such. And sometimes folks just use, particularly what I've seen, something if, if, the, if the content they're going to make is kind of fairly template based, then they're maybe working in a, in a, in a word or other, you know, kind of text based document and just mm -hmm. and, uh, providing info with descriptions of, you know, what the visuals are going to be. Um, yeah. How do you typically approach putting a storyboard well, together? One of the things that I often debate, and I still debate, and I'd love to know what everyone else thinks in chat, and, and uh, I'd love to know what you two think. It, I often go back and forth on whether or not storyboarding is part of the design. If you think of like Addy, you know, analysis, design, mm. development, so forth and so on. I debate whether or not storyboarding is part of the design process or part of the development process. And I lately I've leaned more towards it being part of the development process because the design process, to your point, you know, you need to do your needs analysis. You need to determine what sort of interventions you're creating, whether that's e-learning or something else or a combination of the two. You're collecting content, sorting through it, removing nice to know information. And the reason I view storyboarding as part of the development process, and I know Kevin Thorne's here, so I'll be curious to know what Kevin has to say, because he's passionate about this topic too, uh, is I view storyboarding on the same spectrum as prototyping, where storyboarding is a low fidelity version of maybe a prototype, and then you get into higher fidelity versions of your course. And so for me, the, like the lowest fidelity version of a storyboard you might create is like an outline of your course, right? Something with sticky notes with arrows drawn between them. And then you might have a written storyboard and a visual storyboard. And you might just create one of those things. You don't have to create all three of them, but then you kind of move, you know, you think of a visual storyboard, that's going to into a higher level of fidelity. You're kind of seeing the slides uh, how they might be visualized, even if you're just using, you know, placeholder images or simple shapes, then you get into prototyping, which is on kind of the higher side, higher level of fidelity of that spectrum, where you have visual prototypes or functional prototypes, or, you know, what I call an MVP prototype, which is like a full sampling of your course. And so yeah. I think storyboarding is part of the development process. And it's, you know, you view these things on a spectrum of fidelity, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it kind of also depends on, um, you know the type of content that you're that you are creating simpler things could be you know outlined 
Mm. Um, simpler content presentation options could be outlined, um, you know, with less effort, for instance, in a, in a storyboard where something, you know, that is more complex, et cetera, starts getting into the nitty gritty of taking perhaps stylus to tablet and, uh, you, you know, mm -hmm. providing actual yep. visually visual type pieces as opposed to just, um, you know, described layouts and that sort of a thing. Or even, sure. even uh, whether or not there's interactivity, you know, you mm -hmm. might be creating a non-interactive digital course. Maybe it's just a video, mm -hmm. right? When I do storyboarding for videos, uh, those are typically way simpler than if I'm creating something or storyboarding for something that's going to be highly interactive, right? And so mm -hmm. it, that gets into, you know, what do you actually put in your storyboard? I guess to your point, it depends on, on the nature of what you're building, the complexity of it. Yeah, sometimes if we're building um, a, uh, a shed rather than a house, we can just get the yeah, plans quickly right. <laughs> from the yeah. hardware store. Uh, but if it's a custom house um, and you're working with an architect, the, the, the level of stuff that you need to do is a little bit uh, a little bit more. Totally. That, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Lance has tossed in, an, you know, a, a thought that uh, just a simple statement, iterative design and development. Of course, it's it, it's not it's never a one and done, is it? I mean, it's your chance to start. Uh, it's really a continuation of a conversation between you and either, you know, your client or your internal client or the SMEs or, you know, the stakeholders, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. There's definitely a back and forth to this process for sure. Yeah, there should be, right? It, mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, you don't want to design and develop these things in a, in a vacuum. And so I think there's, you know, there's a whole camp of people out there who would tell you storyboarding is a waste of time. Uh, but I found that, you know, if, if I can spend a lot of time iterating on a storyboard, with not just myself, but with my stakeholders or my subject matter experts, if I can iterate a lot on that, then it makes the development process so much easier because ideally, you know, by time you do get to development, there's no surprises about what that course is going to include or how it's going to flow. At that point, you're really just then debate, hopefully you're just debating look and feel uh, at that mm. point, or maybe some functionality. But I feel like the more time you spend storyboarding, the, the less time you're going to spend redoing work in the development process, which takes, in my opinion, way more time. Certainly costs time and effort to undo things and mm -hmm. then have to redo them or alter them, you know, et cetera. So the goal is to, to have agreement and, and move forward as clearly as, as possible. And the, the storyboarding, like you were mentioning, it, it gives you a chance too to, to work out, especially if something is complex. You know, you've got branching related things you might discover. Mm -hmm problems then um you know etc or oh didn't think of this we better resolve that now before yep. it, uh, it becomes an issue yep. um later on as well yeah hey, well then that storyboard too also becomes really useful in the interactivity of it so when you get that storyboard and you're even if it's just written i think you probably put in some visuals to a certain extent but then you give mm -hmm. that to the developer the developer has to be thinking in their mind, okay, how am I going to code this, right? Even if it's just yeah. even if it's just something really simple, they may need to be thinking to themselves, okay, I'm gonna need uh, a couple new variables, right? That I need to put yep. in here to, to track what it is that they're doing on this screen or, or whatever. And they're gonna have to storyboard that anyways to say, okay, you know, kind of sketch it out in their mind. The person clicks here, mm -hmm. it does this, if it, you know, if they click here instead, then what happens? It, oh, I'm yep. going to need to track whether they clicked this instead of that. So I'm going to have to have a variable for that. And they're going to need to think it through. And so when you, when you're storyboarding ahead of time as a designer, you're, you're helping them along the process too and making their job a little bit easier. Well, 
I think you bring up a really great point that we often, I don't feel like we talk enough about when we're talking about storyboarding is you just referenced handing a storyboard off to a developer. And a lot of team, a lot of instructional designers, maybe they're just doing everything from A to Z. They're storyboarding their own yeah. courses, but other teams, other organizations operate in a way where there's people who do the storyboarding and then they hand it off to a developer to build it. And so when you think about the importance of the level of detail you need to have in a storyboard, just like the level of importance you need in a blueprint, um, it's so important that it's clearly understood by a third party. And so one of the things I'm always striving for with my storyboards, and I encourage this of everybody, even if you're doing your own development, is you want to strive for what I call a development-ready storyboard, meaning it has such a level of detail that you could theoretically hand it off to another person who had no involvement in the creation of that storyboard, just like a blueprint has such a level of detail that a construction team could build that house with never interacting with the architect, uh, that you could build that course because you never know when you might be working on a team where you're just doing the storyboarding and you're handing it off to somebody else. Um, and so you know, all, all those, all that information is so important so that, you know, somebody could theoretically, you know, build that course if that's the team you're working on or the type of team you're working on. Yeah. Richard has a great question in the chat. He yeah. says, do you storyboard your support materials and activities as well as the primary subject matter? And that, that's something that I don't think I've really thought about because in this day and age, we are creating more than just e-learning courses yeah. per se, right? I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of what we do. We, then we, we add the support material and all that kind of stuff. You know, how does that fit into it? Uh, I, I don't, uh, assuming assuming when we talk about, when, when Richard says support materials and activities, if we're talking about things that are happening outside of the e-learning course, no, I don't, I don't storyboard those. The reason I we focus so much on storyboarding, not that we don't outline them or something, I'll talk about that in a moment, but the reason storyboarding for e-learning, you know, goes into so much more detail than you might go into when outlining other types of training deliverables is that e-learning is a form of digital interactive multimedia. And, you know, you think about an interactive e-learning course that you might build in any particular tool, uh, you might have audio narration, you might have animations, you're going to have interactivity, you're going to have visuals on the screen. Like there's a lot happening in the communication of your content. Uh, and so you want to storyboard it so that you, you know, you're understanding how that piece of multimedia is going to come together. As it relates to other types of supplemental materials, let's say you're also creating a job aid with your course, or maybe following the course, they're going to get a job aid and they're going to do some sort of activity you might include that as part of your design document. Uh, usually what I do when I'm designing a blended uh, experience is I will create a design document, which is like a, a very high level view of the entire strategy. It'll say something like, we're gonna have an e-learning course and it's gonna cover these objectives. And then there's a job aid covering these objectives and an activity covering these objectives. I'll usually include that there, uh, but I probably won't go into the level of extent of storyboarding that I would with a e-learning course, because, you know, a job aid, if I need to edit a job aid, I, you know, it's not going to be detrimental for me to create that job aid and go back and edit it later, because it's just some work it's on a page, right? Whereas you might be detrimental to go yeah. back and edit an e-learning course after you've created the whole thing. I hope that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question though, Richard. Yeah, you know, I think, I, I think, um, 
I think when you're talking about maybe developing a curriculum or an ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? Part of yeah. that instructional design phase, or, or if you're if you're more of a consultant, or you're a strategist with an organization, and you're actually helping them kind of rethink and rebuild their whole learning strategy mm -hmm. as a whole. I think that picture that you draw for them might include, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have this technology building these types of things over here. We're gonna have yeah. the support stuff over here. So that that might be considered kind of storyboard ish as mm -hmm. far as that, that yeah. high level solution that you're creating. And then within each one of those, you might have different, uh, you know, different levels of that storyboarding as well. It's yeah. just visual well, stuff, right? Just to kind of give people a visual as opposed to just words. Yeah, well, like, like we were talking about before we went live, Brent, you know, one of the things I think a lot of people, especially people who are new to the industry is they get really stuck on trying to make sure they're storyboarding the right way or creating an outline the right way or design document the right way. And one of the things that, you know, one of the things people who are new to this industry or new to e-learning, one of the things you'll find really quickly is if you go out on LinkedIn and ask people, you know, how would you define a storyboard? You ask 10 people, you're going to get probably 15 different answers. Uh, and so there's no, you know, I, I have yeah. my thoughts on the right way to storyboard and people like Kevin has his own right thoughts on storyboarding and everyone has their own methodology. And at the end of the day, it's not about how you go about storyboarding or outlining or creating a design document. It's about doing what's the best thing you can create that's going to help you move the project forward where everyone's on the same page. And if you call that thing a storyboard, but it looks like, I don't know, a design document, fine. That's fine, you know, um, as long as it helps you move the project forward. Yeah, we get hung up on terms, don't we, in our industry? Yeah. And, and that, I oh, think yeah, that, we do. <laughs> that, that does scare a lot of newbies that, that come in. And it's like, well, apparently part of this process that I'm learning how to do and that I'm really excited about has this element called storyboarding. So now I'm going to have to mm -hmm. learn the right way to do it. And really the right way is just whatever way you're comfortable doing that communicates the message of how you've decided this content, you know, given to this particular audience is going to function in this space, yeah. you know, and it's going to be the best, the, the best way to present this content to yeah. that particular set of end users in a particular yeah. environment, right? Are they on a mobile device? Are they on a laptop? Mm -hmm. Are they, are most of them somewhere, you know, visually showing that is, uh, is, is absolutely going to be critical. But I, I do, I think you're right. I think the, the influx of so many new people into our industry, I think they do have a tendency to kind of overthink it. Yeah, well, and, you know, in the 15 years I've been in this industry, I feel like uh, collectively as a we, as us in the industry, we've we've been on this like endless journey of trying to figure out how we're all going to speak the same language. And, you know, as the tools we use change and evolve, uh, that's never going to end. We're constantly trying to figure out how do we all speak the same language. And while I do think, despite what I said a moment ago about doing whatever does, you know, you need to do to move the project forward. For the most part, you know, with storyboarding, we're mostly speaking the same language. But, you know, I've seen storyboard formats that are completely different than the way I create storyboards or the way somebody else creates storyboards. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, no particular person's definition of a storyboard is the right one. It's whatever, whatever helps you move forward in the project. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Kevin had a neat phrasing um, 
referring to in, in the chat here, a, a storyboard workbook is a collection of several companion documents, mm -hmm. a video or photo shot, shot list, you know, if needed, audio script, scenario map, style guide, yep. photo board, etc. Um, so that's a pretty, that's a pretty involved. I like that. Um, I, I like that term. You know, yeah, um, yeah. supplements and, and those sorts of things. And I guess the complexity of that's obviously going to be reflection, a reflection of, you know, if you don't have video, you're not going to shoot any video. So you don't need to you mm -hmm. know, include that kind of a thing. Cindy's also, Cindy's also commenting in the chat. I find that combining storyboarding and experience mapping helps document the supporting activities and supplemental materials. So, yeah. um, yeah. you know, kind of like um, some of the, that, that, that description seems, feels to me almost like the, the storyboards becoming kind of a prototype, you know, you're kind of, working through it and then revealing mm -hmm. you know things that that other things that might need to still be you know considered yep yeah totally i mean it's all all of it are all of those efforts are moving towards i keep using the word fidelity right you're, you're moving to from lower uh lower versions of fidelity to higher versions of fidelity higher levels of detail to your course and i love the the idea of the the storyboard workbook i mean one of the things i like to include in my storyboards especially with courses that are non-linear where you have branching is i'll start that storyboard off with um like a map of the course so that somebody with the slide number so that whoever's reviewing it can kind of visualize oh okay slide 2.2 is down <laughs> way over here and it's not related to where slide 3.3 is at or whatever the case might be um and so you know what elements or artifacts you include i guess depends on the complexity of what you're creating yeah i've done some branching projects um and one of them in particular was very very uh, elaborate etc and, mm -hmm. the, and the 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 storyboard was was done in word so you have you know choice go to and 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 yeah. that might be three pages later so that that really yeah. can get cumbersome in terms of uh oh oh right but now i gotta go back here and reread and and, and even just yeah. picturing the you know the pathways and that sort of a thing in that in, in you know based on words whereas something that is more um chart based or or, or visually based helps you at least follow through and figure out and again uh, avoiding problems later on that don't get to uh, that, that can be headed off before you hand it over to the actual making process yeah totally and i've seen you know somebody uh christy tucker uh, she references this tool a lot twine i think it is twine oh, yeah. is a great tool where you can create like you can map out something that's non-linear and so yeah, I whenever I'm reading a storyboard where it's like jump to page seven and then you're like trying to play that mental gymnastics of like, then I got to go back to page two for the menu. And then like, so if you can create something that helps somebody visually navigate a non, a, you know, a nonlinear course that's written in a linear fashion, I think that's always helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, asked, I asked this the other day, uh, a, a, I think I asked it on Twitter. I'm not sure where I asked it now, but um, I... I asked, you know, when when all of that information came out about Adobe buying uh, that that prototyping tool, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I I started thinking to myself, you know, Adobe already has XD, and I know some yep. folks in our industry <clears throat> utilize that a lot, and I have heard of yep. Twine, and so I started thinking to myself, uh, you know, does our industry need a uh, a prototyping tool <clears throat> like that, or do we already have prototyping kind of pseudo built into the authoring tools that we use right yeah i mean i've seen uh, i've seen a few instances where some companies or people have tried to create like a storyboarding tool for e-learning and i've never seen any of those really take off because everyone going back to like we were saying earlier everyone does it a little bit differently so how do you create yeah. one tool that accounts for the way everybody does it so a lot of times i've seen people 
you know, who will, uh, they'll usually use like Adobe XD or Figma or any of those sorts of tools for like visual prototyping, right? Which is kind of like a, you know, you might also storyboard in it as well. Some yeah. people will storyboard, I, and this actually comes back to one of the poll questions. Um, uh, you know, 11% of people said they vote in their authoring tool or they storyboard in their authoring tool. And so, you know, the only time, the only time I storyboard directly in the authoring tool is if it's a text-based authoring tool. If it's going to be like, there's not a lot of, you know, animations or multimedia or branching. The reason I'm not a big fan of storyboarding directly in whatever tool I'm using is because most tools don't allow for collaboration, meaning, you know, your stakeholder can't go in and edit it or comment on it in an easy way. And so I like to keep my storyboards in, in tools like Microsoft Word or PowerPoint where I can easily email it to them and they can open it up and comment and edit it on. But Adobe XD, Figma, Miro, all those tools allow us for really great online collaboration. So those are options as well. Yeah, as Jan is pointing out in the chat, the problem with special storyboard tools is that the reviewers you know, may not have access to it. Um, yeah. So there's something definitely to be said to going, you know, for, for working in this kind of thing in those kind of, let's call them universally available you know, mm -hmm. formats, whether that's the, you know, the, the office documents, that kind of a thing, because at least people are also familiar enough with it to be able to, you know, work with it, et cetera, on their end. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to train someone to, or, or, you know, teach them how to use, you know, a different tool. So. I'm seeing somebody ask about wanting to see an example of a storyboard. Would you mind if I shared some real world storyboards? Sure. Uh, let me pull up, I'm going to pull up two different versions. I'm going to show everybody a written storyboard and a visual storyboard for two real projects that I've worked on. Give me one second. Yeah, That's I was going to say, you know, it might be kind of cool because I know there's so many people in our industry that uh, at least the ones that speak up, maybe there aren't as many as I, I thought, but mm -hmm. that are that that suffer from that imposter syndrome, right? They think they're sure. not creative. Oh, yeah. They think they're not creative. They think they they don't have the skills to draw uh, well enough to do a storyboard. And so mm -hmm. they're going to have to hire somebody to do the storyboard and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things we've been trying to do with drink and draw with Kevin is in a very fun way, help teach yeah. people how in our industry to, to do that kind of stuff on your own. And that, you know what, low fidelity drawings, even stick people, as long as you can get that message across and communicate what it is you're trying to communicate to the team members, to the SMEs or, or whomever that needs to make the final decision, that's really all you need to do. You don't have to be a, a professional graphic illustrator or artist, yeah. you know, in order to be able to do this. So it might be kind of fun too to, and I think the show and tell is great so people can realize, oh, Tim, he's a super awesome professional, you know, doing this all the time. And, oh, you know, you know, he's he's doing, you know, minimalistic art or whatever. Oh, you know? yeah. So, so now Absolutely. I feel better about, you know, my skill set. <laughs> now, what are you drinking during these drink and draws? I'm curious. Mm. It's just coffee. coffee. No, that's boring. Coffee. <laughs> I've been wanting to do a series of like drunk e-learning where we drink wine and design e-learning together. That would be fun. Okay. Oh, that would be. That would be right. Yeah. Um, so this is a good example of a pretty standard written storyboard. This was one I created for a client on accounting, a really interesting topic. Um, and, you know, usually what I'll do at some point in the storyboard is I like to include some mention of the learning objectives. That way, whoever's reviewing it or even if I'm writing it, I have a, a kind of my North Star of what what's supposed to be covered in the course. 
Um, and a written storyboard, like I said, you'll see these in many different formats, but they're usually a series of tables for each slide or screen. If it's gonna have audio narration, that's outlined here. And then there's usually a cell for you know outlining what the learner's gonna see in terms of on-screen text or graphics. And then usually some form of technical notes saying, you know, the learner's gonna click the begin button to start the course, pretty simple. Whenever I use a written storyboard, I'm usually, I, I usually use written storyboards on courses that have audio narration um, because that's really where most of the content's being delivered. And so it's a big focus on that. <clears throat> and I'll usually, when I'm outlining the graphics, you know, I'll, I'll be pretty clear about what the on-screen text will be. But with graphics, you know, I may not know exactly what I'm going to animate there because usually I don't figure that out until I'm sitting in the tool animating it. So I'll usually keep it pretty vague. Like, you know, it's going to be a graphic of a credit union animating in with various components. What does that mean? I don't know yet. I'll figure that out when I get into development. But that's not important right now because we're focusing in on the content, right? Um, and so, you know, you can see how this continues forward. And then we have an interactive slide here. So this is a clip to reveal. Here's some audio narration. And there's going to be some pop-up windows here revealing, you know, content. Um, and so these are good when you want to focus yourself and your stakeholders and your subject matter experts on your content. You don't want them worrying too much about the look and feel um, at this point. And I'll explain why in this next example I'll show you. So that's a good example of a pretty standard written storyboard. I will tell you, if you've never done a storyboard before, um, doing your first storyboard can be very, very intense and overwhelming because, you know, if you're, let's say you're, you're more accustomed to classroom facilitation or you've designed content for in-person facilitation, you're probably not accustomed to literally scripting out every single word that's going to be mentioned in the course or in that, in that workshop. You're not scripting out everything the facilitator is saying. You might list some bullet points. E-learning, on the other hand, especially with something like audio narration, you have to script it out. You have to literally document every single word, and that can be a huge lift for folks. So, um, you know, written storyboards take a lot of work the first time. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I'll show you an example of a visual storyboard. A visual storyboard I typically use when I'm creating <clears throat> courses that don't have audio narration. Um, and courses that are text-based. The reason I usually do a visual storyboard for text-based courses is because when you create a text-based course, you have to be really cognizant of how much text you're putting on a given screen. And so usually I like to create a visual storyboard because it's kind of like a mock-up. It's kind of a hybrid between uh, you know, a prototype and a storyboard. Usually when I create a storyboard like this, I'll usually include some notes, like I'll tell you know, my stakeholders, this is a visual storyboard. Many of the slides include placeholder images and text. It's not meant to represent the final look and feel. Um, focus on the content. Make any edits directly in the content, right? Um, and so this is a good example of a, a visual storyboard. They're usually very, very, very low fidelity. I'm using placeholder shapes, placeholder uh, shapes to represent graphics. It shows where the text might be, you know, simple shapes for buttons. The goal is, again, you want to focus on what's going to be on-screen content and, um, you know, an idea of what's going to be placed there in terms of imagery. So you can see it's a placeholder. It's going to show positive and diverse workplace image or graphic, whatever that means. I'll figure that out in development. 
I, my only hiccup I will say with using a visual storyboard, and you can see here's a main menu. I'll show a couple more slides here. Here's a great example of like a scenario-based interaction where it shows the different options and the feedback. One thing you have to be careful about with a visual storyboard is that no matter how much you tell your stakeholders and subject matter experts, um, this is not meant to represent the final look and feel. No matter how much you drill that in their head, you're going to get feedback that's going to say, gosh, is that feedback going to be green and orange like that? Or is this, is this really the image that's going to be there, a gray box? And so you have to overcome that hurdle with them to help them understand, no, this is not what the course is going to look like. We're working on just the content right now. Um, in the layout of elements. So yeah. And, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that um, I find alters sometimes how you approach a storyboard, you realize starting to work with a client that they need more of that visual upfront, because mm -hmm. um, that's becoming either becoming a it's getting in the way of, yeah. of, of where you feel we should be in. in uh, but then, and I think of it, um, <clears throat> in a way, I know some folks who can look at, uh, there are folks who can look at blueprints for a house, and they they have a pretty good oh, sense yeah. of how you can, you're going to walk around that house. There are other folks as part of that archetype, uh, the, the architecture process and the design process that the architect has to make a 3D model of, you know, yep. to be able to, to help people understand. Some folks just can't, you know, some folks don't move well from flat to, you know, to, to a sense of, of space based on it. So, yeah, so, so that's a great, you bring up a great point because a part of reviewing a storyboard is being able to visualize in your mind's eye what this might look like or what the experience might be. So in those instances, if I'm working with somebody who really just can't get over the hump that they can't visualize what they're seeing here beyond what they're seeing here, if that makes any sense, then yeah. what I'll do is I'll usually create like a, uh, in a to accompany this, like a, a, a like a three screen prototype like i'll create a couple of slides just so i can say like hey you know here's the storyboard but here's what these three screens will look like once i fully develop them so i'll usually deliver that to accompany it so they can yeah at least give them comfort knowing yeah it's this is not what the main menu is really going to look like right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and also too i mean for you you're you are d doing the next step you know yourself but for there are folks who um, you know, or in an organization where that's going to get handed off to somebody else who's actually going to do the making, including potentially, you know, the visual designing. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, and there was a comment earlier about uh, that kind of a process where there's, you know, more of, where there's a difference between the storyboarding and design piece, and then it's handed off to someone, you know, to actually put it together and visually create it, and yeah. leaving at least some creative room for them to to bring something, you know, of themselves or their ideas, et cetera, to the project too, is another place mm -hmm. where they're. Um, is wiggle room, but definitely getting some, some often anyway, getting some visuals that people, so people can picture the translation of this into, into something, you know, more complete is, is really yeah. uh, often a hurdle or, or, or a challenge to. to and, and the more you work with, you know, whoever you're working with, whether it's a client or, a, you know, a group of stakeholders with an organization, you know, the first time you work with them, that's always going to be the most painful. Mm -hmm. And then once they, once they realize, oh yeah, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Instructional Designer, they know what they're doing. That next storyboard, you, you, you won't have to do as much heavy lifting because they'll trust you hopefully that, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you're, you know, for you, you already know if you're going to be the maker at post storyboard, you're already, uh, you know, answering in implicit questions in your own mind. Mm -hmm. 
And it's the same as if you're working with your own with a team within your own organization. The more familiar you are with the, you know, say the designing team or whatever, you yeah. end you end up with shorthand, the ability to talk in shorthand, you know, yeah, or, right? <laughs> you know, it, we're all in the same wavelength or whatever. But if there's an outside person, they they don't they don't know that wavelength. They don't know those no, and, things either too. So that another yeah. layer to to consider when you're storyboarding that you have. And I think the the worst thing you know you can do as an instructional designer or an e-learning developer is work with a stakeholder or client and assume they have any idea what you're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. You never want to assume. And so, you know, a big part of whenever I do like a kickoff meeting, a big part of it is just, you know, teaching them my language and explaining what a storyboard is. Mm -hmm. Or when you send off that storyboard, you need to tell them what is a storyboard and where does it fit in the development process and why doesn't it, because if you don't, they're going to go, why this doesn't look like an e-learning course that I've ever seen before because they don't know what a storyboard is or in their mind a storyboard is you know like what you see a movie storyboard looks like so you have to define everything along the way mm -hmm. and even sometimes you i have to define what to what you know what the breaks are between stages in other words yeah once we sign off on the state storyboard um there may be things that we have to do uh, if, if something has to be undone or changed or altered that becomes costly and maybe those are depending on you know if you're a contractor or whatever etc maybe you have the opportunity to at least have a contract that you know includes something about author alterations after approvals mm -hmm. and, and those sorts of things because the it, things past storyboard can cost time and money oh, to, totally. to change and alter so yeah whenever when you know um if i'm creating a course let's say that includes audio narration or maybe live action video you know, I uh, I just worked with a client where we did a bunch of live action video and um, the the, the on-screen talent, our actress, she said a word, I can't remember what the word was, but she mispronounced it ever so slightly where you would notice it. And the, the, the subject matter expert, my client, they gave me feedback. They're like, can we have her say it this way? And I'm like, if we want to go back and refilm it, I can't, I can't, I, you know, I don't, I can't magically change what her mouth, you know, I, I'm not like Pixar where I could do that, you know? And so like, or if I'm going to do something that requires recording audio narration, I kind of, one of the things that I've learned to do is I always have this meeting with my stakeholder to let them know, Hey, we're recording audio narration and anything that we have to change after this gets more costly, gets more timely. And so you want to make sure, you know, are do you really want to move forward here? Um, because the deeper you get in, the more costly it becomes for sure. Yeah, I've definitely had some experiences where the narration comes back and, oh, that's not how we say that word, um, it, you know. Um, and so, I mean, you can identify technical terms, you know, if it's, uh, you know, how do we pronounce this particular, I don't know, uh, chemical or, you know what I mean? Those sort yeah. of sorts of things. Sometimes those things are things that we can anticipate ahead and say, hey, give us a pronunciation on this and then um you know maybe you can pass that on to the narration team but yeah, i've definitely had totally. some redos of audios when come back because the the words were slightly off um yep. you know regional dialects even yep. sometimes and uh, that's part of the learning process i mean we we all go make those stupid mistakes yeah. before we realize oh yeah we need to start asking for pronunciation on certain things before we send it off for recording yeah. right yeah is it i remember somebody told me uh and I never forgot this. They they equated it to concrete or cement, and how you how you build like a foundation, or or you, how you work with something like cement, right? Like the mm -hmm. further you get into the process, and the more solid it becomes, the more expensive and the more difficult it is to back yourself up so true. out of the process. Because yeah. you get to a certain point, that means basically breaking the concrete, mm -hmm. throwing it away, and starting from scratch, basically. 
you know, but if you're still kind of at the mixing stage and you're still gathering all of the, the different components and you haven't quite put them into the wheelbarrow to start mixing it all up yet, you're still pretty good, right? You still, yeah. okay, you can still make some changes. Once the mix starts happening, now you're on kind of a time frame, and then once you start pouring it into the mold, you still have time to make some changes. You could reshape it a little bit before it hardens, but once it starts to harden, now you're talking about really big, costly things to go back and start over. So yeah. it's like the further you go down the process, the more expensive it is to have errors. So I think in general, the idea of storyboarding and scripting and all that kind of stuff ahead of time is to help eliminate the potential for needing to have yep. those expensive uh, yep. backtracking moments. Yep. And somebody, uh, Kelly mentioned, you know, prepping the stakeholders is so important. And, you know, it, uh, your stakeholders in their mind, if we just empathize with where they're at, you know, they say we need a course uh, in their mind. They, do, they don't understand initially why you can't just go, you know, go away for three weeks and come back with a completed e-learning course. That's in their mind what's going to happen. Uh, you know, and so that prepping, you know, that analogy, I use the house building analogy or the concrete analogy, uh, you know, every time I'm meeting with them the first time that that's what I'm explaining. This is why we're doing this. And this is why, you know, of course it seems, you know, overkill. And it seems like we're spending so much time, but like, like I said, all that work you put on the front end is going to make development so much smoother. I literally had somebody actually use the word, do your magic. We're going to we're going to do all yeah. this stuff and it's going to take <laughs> us it's going to take us a few weeks to get all our stuff together and to do all of our stuff. And then we're going to send it to you and then you go ahead and do your magic. And mm -hmm. it, and then uh, and then when you're done, send it back to us. Right. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. Time out. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wave our magic instructional design wand and uh, uh, yeah, right. Abra Addy, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? You guys don't have a little bowl of uh, instructional design fairy dust that you sprinkle on the PowerPoints and, and yeah. make it e-learning? That's what they think. <laughs> you, and you've got to watch that fairy dust because it gets everywhere. The rest, of your, the rest of your life, you're vacuuming up instructional design fairy dust off of every counter yeah. surface. It just it, it sticks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what are those key points? If we had to tell anybody a... a brand new coming into this industry, Tim, uh, mm. you know, what are, what are some, some of the key tips and things that you'd like somebody to learn? Maybe give us like a top yeah. two or three. Uh, that a storyboard is like a blueprint for a house. And so you want to build a house without a blueprint. You shouldn't build an e-learning course without a storyboard. Um, that it include it should include enough detail that you could theoretically hand it off to a third party and they could develop it. That's what it means to have a development ready storyboard. And that it doesn't, it's not really important the way you lay out your storyboard or what format or template you use. It's about, it's about doing whatever helps you uh, move the project forward with a common understanding with whoever you're working with. Perfect. Wow, that's the most succinct rundown I think we've had as we uh, <laughs> uh, approach the end of an idiotic and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and need that music coming up. Tim, you're the greatest man. Thank you well, so thank much you. for sharing your knowledge with us on storyboarding today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Where can they find you? Oh, I'll put some links in chat. Hold on. I wrote them down. I got to copy them. Um, inside my free community, that's the e-learning designers community, and then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll put those links in chat there. 
And folks, as always, don't forget um, instructional designers in offices, drinking coffee, hashtag idiotic is uh, brought to you by Domino Learning Systems, makers of Domino One. So when you've got that storyboard and you're ready to bring it to life, Domino One is a tool that can that can help you do that, including collaborating with your reviewers at the, and other processes. There's a link in the chat if you want to check out check us out and learn a bit more about that. Um, and maybe Brent, we can throw in the idiotic LinkedIn group uh, link one more time too. We absolutely can do got that. It. Indeed. We've got more episodes coming up too. You guys can check us out on idiodc.com. Idiotic.com is a great place to see more. Yep. And, and while you're here in Crowdcast too, just sign up for the next episode so you're, uh, you're, there you go. you're all lined up. They Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Always, always so much fun having you. Have a great day, folks. Hi. Thanks, everybody. Everybody get a cup of coffee and dance on out of here. Don't forget, Chris, you're the one that has to turn us off. Oh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Have a great day, folks. See you, Tim.